0: Welcome into episode three of Close the Playbook podcast. Alongside me is Matthew Trader and Trevor Bonnetson. This week we're talking NFL and NBA action from another exciting week in the NFL season, as well as a look into NBA's current games, as well as some pits on who's the top five players right now in the NBA playing this season so let's jump right into it first off we each picked a game from this last week in the NFL season that we thought was entertaining to watch and very interesting guys take it away Matthew or Trevor what was your game you picked
1: so I picked uh Vikings Ravens shocker um (laughs) yeah I kind of predicted it would go either two ways either the Vikings just kind of come out no effort, give up on Zimmer. Or they come out fighting and lose in a close, heartbreaking game like they've done multiple times this year, and that's what happened. And I have a lot to say about this game. You know, I think the defense, I thought, played pretty well throughout this game, the first half of this game. Second half, uh, Ravens just got their running game going more. Um, Lamar Jackson just ran constantly and the uh, Vikings offense did what they have done in almost every single game this the season and is got conservative slowed the game down and did not really do anything in the second half except for that drive at the end of regulation to send it to overtime. Um, I honestly am starting to Look at this as, like, yes, Zimmer should get fired, but Clint Kubiak is a bigger problem than I think people realize, and he's really turning this this number four offense from last year into a bunch of sallies out there, just not doing anything. You're not letting Kirk really do anything, let it rip down the field. He had a 50-yard touchdown to Jefferson right at the beginning of the game. He got three targets after that. Tyler Conklin had seven targets. Um, Thielen had six yards receiving. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of my take on it. I think Clint Kubiak also needs to go at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, that was an interesting game to watch just for the fact that I thought the Vikings for the first half really kind of, you know, slowed down Lamar a little bit. He wasn't running like crazy, and then I quit watching in the second half, and the dude ended with 120 yards rushing. It's like, how can a team go into... You know, a game against Lamar Jackson, you know what he's going to do. How can a team, like, go in and stop Lamar Jackson like that?
1: Well, how many carries did he have? Yeah, I, like, the he whole had 21 case. carries. Like, he's, yeah, he's just running it like crazy. And then or sec- and then Rashawn Breeland, like, I was actually super bummed out he got hurt because, like, Boyd looked horrible. He's letting Marquise Brown run all over him. And, you know, it's just the same stuff every week. The Vikings get out by a touchdown. In this game, we were up by two touchdowns. We had Canu Ngong, a really tough name to say, that kick return touchdown rookie. You know how to say it,
2: Matt? Um, It's like Kenny Ngong or something like that. Yeah.
1: Tough name to say. Shout out to him, though. Awesome kick return touchdown. You know, and it's like continuously, like, Kirk, like, Ryan, I know me and you, like, were watching the game over, and it was like, Kirk does not know how to, like, call a timeout, or he's not allowed to call a timeout or audible at the line of scrimmage. It was like Anthony Barr just got that interception in overtime. If you get an interception in overtime, like, you should definitely go down and win the game. You're at the 30-yard line. Like, now it's, like, it's not – now it's sudden death. Like, go down and win the game. And you got, like, the biggest play of the game, third and nine, and there are 10 guys in the line of scrimmage, including at corners. One safety out deep. And what do the Vikings run? And Kirk just, like, doesn't call any sort of an audible. What do the Vikings do? They run three receivers running, like, post routes. They're all deep routes. And a guy comes straight at Kirk and hits him. And Kirk just, like, throws it up. It's like, audible at the line. You have, you're going to run three deep routes when you have 10 guys. They're clearly going to blitz. Right. I don't even think one guy was on K.J. Osborne when he ran deep.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's something with the Vikings this year. In some of these games, it's like this game, Delvin Cook had a good one. 17 carries, 110 yards, averaging 6.5 yards per carry. But then it happened last game. It happened this week, too. It's like Kirk Cousins isn't targeting his receivers enough. It's like Justin Jefferson had three receptions. Tyler Conklin had five. He led the team. And then Adam Thielen has two for six yards and a touchdown. It's like eventually they they're just gonna have to look towards their receivers more. It's like you can stress run game all you want, but in a situation like this, you need to win this game by passing.
1: And I don't know if like your I don't know if it's Kirk that's not like I don't know if Kirk's just like not allowed to throw deep on some of these routes. I don't know if like you go into the play like oh Tyler Conklin on a two yard in route, like let's do that, even though you got just or you got Jefferson and Thielen. Run deep yeah I don't know if that's on Kirk or like I feel like it's gotta definitely be a little on Kirk but like I think the play call is just like conservative right
2: the only thing I really liked from that game was the opening drive you take that deep shot to Jefferson and yeah. it's like you finally you finally like it shows what Jefferson can do once he gets behind the secondary and I think you have probably three or four times a game you should take that shot. I mean, what's the worst thing that happened? You throw it deep and it gets picked off, but oh well. But the other thing that I was actually really surprised with and I really liked to see was uh, when they went for it on that fake punt. I don't think the Vikings have ran a fake punt in years, and just to see that this rookie come in, he returns a kick. I think it was two two possessions later. It's fourth and two. He gets the direct, or he gets a handoff after on a fake punt. Gets about seven yards. He kind of looks like that spark that the Vikings kind of needed. And I think that was really cool for them to actually do. But again, Vikings ended up losing this one at, towards the end.
1: It was such a quick second half, too, because, like, you know, I was just went on a, like, you know, I just went off about how they're too conservative in the second half, blah, blah. blah. But it's like, also, it's like the Ravens just drain the clock down just absolutely dominated time possession and it's like if you can't you know if the Ravens have an eight minute drive and then the Vikings go three and out and the Ravens have another three minute or eight minute drive it's like it's like look at look at what just happened in this game and like three and outs are so crucial especially going up against a team like the Ravens because they can just drain the clock and like they're I mean the running backs aren't that good but Lamar is literally like a running back like I hate to say it a lot of people you know that's so controversial but like it's like Lamar runs it 21 times a game like he literally just gets the ball snapped to him and takes off yeah it's really annoying to watch like i hated watching <laughs> Lamar just run all over the Vikings like, defense but yeah tough loss another tough loss um Col- i don't think Zimmer really had any horrible time management issues
2: no, game. the only thing that you can say about Zimmer is again, he's a defensive coach and his defense let up twenty one straight points. I mean yeah. yeah. That's something that's unexcusable if you're a defensive head coach. Right. But well. you can stress Zimmer all you want, but
1: Zimmer has a lot of fight. I honestly am not gonna say the Vikings are out of the playoffs until they're eliminated. Like this this like Saints look bad now too. Yeah. And it's like the f- six and seven seed are like and any any team besides like the Lions and who else is down there in the Washington,
0: I don't I like know Texans. any.
1: I think there's two teams that aren't oh, that don't have three wins in the NFC, and all those teams are still in it. Right, the Seahawks are getting Russell Wilson back, but you know the Vikings can get a few wins here. I would not count them out, but they got to be able to finish games.
0: Nevertheless. Vikings lose to the Baltimore Ravens 31-34. Vikings sit at 3-5, and five, and the Baltimore Ravens are at 6-2, up near the top in the AFC. Matt, what was your game of the week? My
2: game of the week was the Titans versus the Rams. Uh, I know I, I had a hot take last week that the Titans were going to miss the playoffs, and, I mean, it's kind of looking less and less now. I mean, they're 7-2. and two. However, <clears throat> I was really surprised to see them go out and Handle a, t- a high caliber team like the Rams. I mean, they won twenty-eight to fourteen. It was just it was a bad game. I think on Matthew Stafford more than the Rams team. Yeah. And uh, Tannehill looked like he has the capabilities of carrying the Titans throughout this this stunt with uh without Derrick Henry. But I was really surprised with this game for two things. Stafford, who arguably right now is at the top of the MVP race, looked terrible. He didn't look like his usual self, and Tannehill looking like probably like like we we kind of mentioned it last week, like a top five, ten, top ten, top fifteen quarterback.
0: He does what he needs to do to win.
2: Exactly, and I thought he was really, really going to struggle with this without Derrick Henry being able to, you know, do enough. But I think he did a great job.
0: Yeah, and it's like his stats are not crazy. It's like he went, he had 19 completions for 143 yards, uh, one touchdown, and one pick. And the running game with, you know, they bring Adrian Peterson on, they had a bunch of people carry the ball. They only ran the ball like 22 times. And I, I really think that game really came down to how good the Titans defense played. The Titans defense played unbelievable. I mean, they hold an MVP caliber. A uh, player like Matthew Stafford to 294 yards, a touchdown, and a pick at or two pits at home on that crazy explosive offense.
1: Yeah, I think you pretty much said exactly what I was gonna say. I was like the none of the offensive stats by the Titans were flashy at all. You know, AP went was averaging two yards per carry. Foreman was had a couple of nice runs. Tannehill, I this game was totally on the Titans' defense. You know, they had right two they had a pick six and another interception that went pretty close to a pick six i honestly didn't like what i saw from the titans offense i think they almost let the rams back into that game they had a i forget what the penalty exactly was but i remember it's 21 9 rams are driving and they had a penalty that killed their drive yep and um i think this defense has got to step up you know we looked at when they got julio this year and like the one flaw was, oh, the Titans' defense in secondary area is not good. And they came to play against the Rams, but they haven't came to play all year. You know, they've been, yeah. you know, they've, I think they've been better than expected, but not like, you know, top 10 defense like they showed against the Rams. And they got a tough schedule coming up. You know, I didn't absolutely hate Matt's take last week, but this game kind of, you know, this game kind of puts a yeah, it, asks, yeah. All... it makes you ask questions
0: now yeah.
2: it makes me yeah it kind of just my whole take is kind of thrown out the window now because I mean that you arguably can get in with one or two more wins right right to yeah the playoffs but I really thought without Derrick Henry that they were gonna get blown out in this game and I think that's what was kind of gonna start a downhill trend for them but I mean they played great it was you know it was a good game to watch I wish I would have I wish it would have been more of a shootout. Yeah, or, you know, for the Rams' sake. But, you know, the Rams dropped this one, and they also dropped the one against the Cardinals early in the year, and it kind of was the same vibe for both games. They just didn't – they came out flat. They didn't look good. Yeah. And, you know, thats it's alarming because you can't do that in playoffs. And if this is something that, you know, if every so often that they're going to have, that might come out in a playoff game, and that might ultimately be – the end of the run for them, which they're kind of favored right now as Super Bowl favorites.
0: Right. Yeah, and I th- I think it just shows that the I think the Rams are beatable. It's and you've seen it twice now, and especially in the game like this, it's. I think one big takeaway too. It's like something I always look at. It's, you know, the connection between Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. It's like Matthew Stafford had a really off game of the day, or last week, and he still found Cooper Cup eleven times for 99, 95 yards.
2: That was the so. first time. This year that Cooper Cup was held under uh, ten yards per catch. Yeah, for this crazy. season, like mm-hmm. that, it's that's how great that these two are playing together. So, the fact that Titans came in here and I wouldn't say they took Cooper Cup out of the game, but they pretty much did because yeah. if he's you look at his yards, yeah, if you look in the recent games, he's catching two touchdowns. and took know, away forty yards. Deep yeah, they yeah, of,
1: that's what it that was. Just checking it down. The secondary played great. great. I don't know. The Rams have just like, maybe you guys can agree with this. Like, they just look kind of flat this year. Like, it seems like they're so one dimensional. Like passing the ball. Henderson's had a good year, but it's like, it seems like they got they throw the ball of Stafford so much, and it's like the offensive line isn't that great. Defense definitely took a step down from last year. You know, they're still top ten defense, but definitely not as good as they were last year. I know they lost some guys in their secondary, but bringing Von Miller now, maybe that improves, but I don't know, is Cam Akers that big of a loss for them? Like, they just just look flat. They look so one-dimensional, and it's like, I don't know if they can go and win a Super Bowl with this team.
2: I wouldn't say, you know, the whole Cam Akers thing and Henderson. I think what happens is when they get down, they feel like they need to pass. They feel like... We brought in Matthew Stafford to win us these games, so I feel like they kind of rely on that, the fact of him winning new games, him making a comeback. And so I think they try to steer away from the running game just to kind of put it on Stafford's shoulders. Like, you are this is the reason why we brought you here. And, I mean, they're 7-2. and two, So right. makes- I really wouldn't say the whole run game, you know, that was that big of a deal, but... I mean, they do look. I agree, they do look flat in some games, and then there's other games where they just completely look like the team.
0: Yeah, it's so weird. It's like you watch how they, you know, they played against the Lions. It's like the Lions come out and the Lions have a chance in that game all the way down to the, you know, the final snap. So, I don't know. LA is an interesting team to watch, or, and they do rely a lot on passing. They're the number one passing team in the lead and the number one offense statistically in the lead, but they're the number eighteenth. Um, rated rushing offense. They've
1: taken care of business against the bad teams But like You know the Colts They didn't look too great against The Buccaneers I will say that was an impressive game Yeah. But the Seahawks they only I don't even think they had any points Up until the second half the, Ra- the Lions game They just looked kind of flat Honestly two weeks Rams at Packers I'm really interested in that game Because honestly right now with Aaron Rod, if Aaron Rodgers comes back, I think the Packers win that comfortably. Like, I just think that their defense is Packers defense is playing great. I think they can control that game against the Rams and make Stafford throw it all over them and just kind of turn into this game like it was against the Titans.
2: I do think it's going to be interesting too, uh, Stafford, who played his majority of his career. In Detroit, so he played the Packers two times a year. He knows Aaron Rodgers. He knows knows Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers knows him. That defense knows him. However, the thing that I'm looking forward to for that matchup is the fact that instead of Matt Patricia or whoever else was the Lions head coach for all all of his career, it's now Sean McVay calling the plays. And I have a feeling that that's going to be a really, really good game. Yeah, that's going
0: to be a really good one. That one, I would say, would... Could definitely be a shootout. It's like they have decent defenses. I mean, pretty good defenses this year. That's just a game where it's like you throw the defenses away. You have two really good quarterbacks going against each other, and they're rivals. They played against each other NFC North for so long. Both have a ton of respect. That one could be a huge shootout game. That could possibly That'd be a fun be game a game of year. Yeah, that could yeah, be.
1: Could be. I don't. I've just been really impressed with the Packers defense. And I don't know if we're gonna get to the segment later, but honestly, I. I think the Packers are the best team in the league right now. I mean, even what their defense did against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, like it's just like I think they are just – this NFL season has been so unpredictable, and it's like the Packers have been in the one team besides week one that have been just so steady and yeah. predictable. The defense is good. They're, you know what you're going to get from Aaron Rodgers? I got, they just look like the most consistent team right now.
0: That is a perfect segue into my pick for the game of uh, last week. I picked Packers versus Chiefs. I have notes, a couple notes down. Aaron Rodgers was obviously out, um, so Jordan Love got his first start. For the Packers, Jordan Love played okay. Uh, I think it was for the first three quarters he had a ton of nerves, so he wasn't making the best throws that he could have. Um, they were running a lot of checkdown stuff for him, and he was able to hit that, but when he tried to throw it downfield, uh, which he had a lot of opportunities to, uh, he just wasn't hitting them until that fourth quarter when they scored the touchdown. Um, the run game should have been used more in that one. Obviously, the Packers lost that game by six points. But I think that run game should have been used more. A.J. Dillon had eight rushes and Jones only had five. But that defense, like you were talking about, Trevor, they played fantastic that game. They didn't force any turnovers, but they had a couple big fourth down stops on a couple turnovers that the Packers had. Uh, to hold them the field goals, and they only scored one touchdown on their opening drive and didn't score in the second half. Um, so they held them to 237 total yards. I think the big thing for the Packers in that game was their poor special teams play. They had a missed field goal 40 yards from Mason Crosby, and then they had a blocked field goal and a muff punt. For the Chiefs, I think that's where we can start digging into conversation too. It's just I don't know what's going on with their offense. I am, I'm really confused with Patrick Mahomes. Statistically, Jordan Love played a better game quarterback rating than Patrick Mahomes did. So I don't know what's going on there. Their run game has been working with Darrell Williams. He had 19 carries for 70 yards that game, um, and their defense created two turnovers. What do you guys think about this game or Patrick Mahomes even? The thing I think about this game is, you
2: know, watching, like you said, the first three quarters of Jordan Love, I was getting nervous because I was like, okay, they drafted him. There was all this stuff that everyone – said you know last year that Rodgers was mad because they drafted him and comes out he's not but I was like uh oh he's not showing any potential he looks like he can't handle this stage and then the fourth quarter rolls around and he, he finally looked like calm yeah. he finally looked like he was like knew what he was doing out there he looked like he could you know change some calls around you know control the offense better and I think that's a good thing to see and I think you know, with more and more playing time, that's going to be just become so much more natural. I think the other thing, really, the reason why I don't think the Packers won, uh, is because of the fact that he just hasn't really had a chance to practice with a lot of the, you know, Devonte Adams and the number one team, since he is usually the backup. So there's a lot of throws where I feel like Rodgers and Adams have that connection on like a, a back shoulder. Kind of fade, yeah, just exactly. randomly down the field, and I think Jordan see, like knows that, and he was thinking, I might as well try it, and it just it didn't really work out, and I think that comes with time with between him and Adams, just you know getting that the reps in and and having like a call at
0: the line maybe or
2: something, yeah. Yeah. but
0: in the huddle or something where it's like that's what Rodgers and Devontae do, they have a signal that he's gonna throw a bad shoulder, and then they're ready for it yeah that's something you can't teach that's just something exactly that's
2: something between two players that just know each other really really well but like uh the whole Patrick Mahomes situation I mean I don't really know personally there there has to be something that isn't being told I mean if that's the off field if it's he's secretly hurt if something if he doesn't want to be there I don't know what the whole kind of thing is is but it, yeah, he like you said, he just doesn't look like the Patrick Mahomes of the last two years. Yeah,
0: and in that game too, there was a lot of there's a couple of opportunities for you know them to kind of score more points. Obviously, they had four or two red zone trips that uh, went for it on fourth down, and they weren't or went for it on third down. They weren't able to get into the end zone. And they had to settle for two field goals. But there was a couple drops in that game. I remember Travis Kelsey dropped a few. Um, Tyreek Hill dropped a couple, so there was a there's a couple things in that, but it's like he had 166 yards passing and one touchdown, and that was that was pretty much it. And that was on the first drive. Yeah, that touchdown had, was that's like that 70 sound, yard yeah. drive or 80 yard drive.
2: And there was like a three yard strike to Kelsey. I don't know, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, even like you see him like in interviews after the games or before the games, he just doesn't look engaged. Yeah. At all, he looks like he's just there because he has to be, kind of right now. And I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of a it's kind of nervous, like nerve wracking for me. If that's your guys' franchise, if you put you know ten years, five hundred million dollars into him, and he's maybe he's just having an off year. Hopefully, but yeah, if this is gonna something that could continue, I I think that's something that you know needs to be looked at and talked about more. Yeah. I just
1: think that the Chiefs got exposed in that Super Bowl game. I mean, they haven't been the same since. Like they just. I don't think Mahomes, It's because Mahomes just isn't like it's a good player anymore. Like I think he just like got scared. He got rocked around in that game. Like I don't think he's like still scared from that game. But I think they, you know, I think the Buccaneers just kind of exposed them to the world. Like you take away Kelsey and Hill, who do you really have to throw to? You don't know, have a good like McCole Hardman. Like you don't really have a good second wide receiver. Right. Like the running game isn't. Anything, even with Khalid Edwards Hilaire in there, it's nothing. The defense is the defense. You know, they played decent in this game, however you want to say it. But, like, they're just, I think they just got exposed. And, uh, yeah, bottom line is Patrick Mahomes just isn't playing good football. Like, yeah. you know, he's, you know, some of the great quarterbacks have had off years like this. Like, Russell Wilson and him have kind of had almost identical sort of years. Like, first year, the, they lose in the, cha- the conference championship. Next year, they win the Super Bowl. Year after, they lose the Super Bowl. and the year after that, they both – I don't think – I think the Seahawks can make the playoffs, and the Chiefs might not either. But I think they just got exposed, and they really have nothing right now that they do well. Like, yeah. if you take away, you know, the receivers for that team, there's not much to do. Jordan Love, I actually thought he played all right. Like, nothing crazy. You know, there's two missed field goals in that game. It could be an entirely different game. Yeah. Then you don't, you know, go for it. Yeah, even that muff punt.
0: There's that muff punt in the second quarter where right. they get the ball at, you know, the 15-yard line and defense holds them to a field goal. If that is a muff punt, that could be an extra drive for the Packers, and that was taken away from them too.
1: Like, I think if Aaron Rodgers plays in this game, it's, you know, two touchdown to win yeah. for them. Like Chiefs are, we'll see, against the Raiders. I mean, they barely beat the Giants, too. You know, they're kind of back in it now. But this AFC is crazy. The Bengals went from the 1 seed to the 10 seed in two weeks, two losses. So,
0: Aaron Rodgers, what's going on with him? So, yeah, with all that crazy stuff, it was before we recorded, or it was after we recorded last week, it came out with an interview, and he kind of explained this whole situation to Pat McAfee because when we were talking about it, we didn't know what really was going on. Uh, we just heard that, you know, there was stuff that he lied to the media and then he was saying he's immunized and he got COVID and people were freaking out because he was unvaccinated. So what just happened today, um, Rogers and Lazard actually got fined for uh, their for not following protocols in a couple instances for not wearing a mask in some places and attending a Halloween party, which is against NFL rules if you're unvaccinated. Uh, just depending on how many people were there. I'm not sure how many people were there. Uh, they were both fined $14,000-plus, and then the Packers organization, the team, got fined $300,000 in the NFL and the NFLPA. Uh, Rodgers is eligible to play on Sunday. He'd come back on Saturday um, if he passes all protocols for the COVID stuff. So, I don't know. What do you What do you really think about this stuff? I know Matt has some opinions on it, so... Go crazy. Um, I think it's hard to
2: say because you take what he says and you can either believe it or you can completely disregard it and be like, well, no, he's in the wrong. I wouldn't say he's completely wrong for maybe not wanting to share, you know, his you know views and what he has if he's vaccinated or not. But at the same time, I feel like if he would have handled this better, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. Yeah. Like, I mean, and I know from an unbiased standpoint, it's like Roger should have just told the truth right away. Then he would to have been in this situation. You know, standing from looking at it from like more of a biased standpoint, you can say, well, he didn't really say he was ever vaccinated. So therefore, he really didn't lie. So therefore, he really shouldn't be in trouble. I don't know. And I know he got, he did an interview with Pat McAfee and they talked about it. And he said that the reason why he didn't get the vaccine was because he didn't want the Johnson and Johnson and he's allergic to Pfizer and Moderna. Right. And I know a lot of people are going to say like, Oh, maybe, maybe he's lying about that too. However, if that's the case and you know, he, whatever, he couldn't get it. And he did go through what he needed to do and was deemed unvaccinated then that's really on the NFL for not finding him right away for breaking protocols and right. waiting until now. Yeah. So I think it's half on the NFL for kind of blowing up the situation more than it needed to really be blown up. And I think yeah. it's on Aaron Rodgers for what you know, what he did. I don't think I don't think suspension I do think the fine is necessary, but I don't think a suspension yeah. is really necessary for something like this. And I know you said something about him. If he passes everything, he can be back on Saturday. So do you think after this week it's going to be headline news? It's going to be more talked about? It's going to be more watched for not only Rodgers himself, but for the entire NFL for players that are unvaccinated? Or do you think that it's going to be kind of just like, all right, let's sweep everything under the rug again so we don't have to worry about this?
0: I See, I'm just kind of confused by the fact of it because I was kind of excited to see what the NFL came up with because, you know, they were, like, saying that he broke NFL protocols and he should be suspended for it. Um, Never really said what kind of protocols he broke. He said that he didn't wear a mask during press conferences, which he wasn't supposed to do. So that's breaking NFL protocol. And I think now the reason the NFL put it down on this is because it came at a perfect time. There was that Halloween party he went to, and you can't go to an event with more than, like, I don't know how many number. It's a low can't number. You can't have any fun in this league anymore. Right, you can't have any fun. That's, like, taunting, too. Oh. But, see, I think this will be something that will be watched more in the lead now. I think it's something that they'll be watching the Packers more. I think Aaron Rodgers will be under a highlight. I mean, Alan Lazar got fined, too, so that would mean he's unvaccinated and he went to that party. Um, see, I don't know. This is something now where it was like it was a huge deal. It got blown up. I mean, you had... Everybody was talking about it. I mean, they're talking about it on Fox News, CNN. It's like Ben Shapiro's talking about it. It's like now it's like a political issue because it's vaccines. And now it's just kind of fine has been there. Did they find him not enough or should, did he deserve to be suspended? I don't think so. I think this is fine. Patrick's got fined $300,000 too. I don't know. I think this is something that should just kind of be you can watch anybody now. I think he did. Spur his words a little bit, and he took action for that. I'm like, all right, that's responsible. That was the only problem I had with it. A little bit was that twisted his words, so then people would be confused about it. But and I mean, I you know, if you're breaking NFL protocol with the rules, I understand that they're stupid, like he said. But it's like if you're breaking them, you're in the lead. You you'll get fined for it. Fourteen thousand dollars. Aaron Rodgers is nothing.
2: That true. And like the thing that I think really for him too is like he's been the focal point of the NFL, you know, arguably for the last 10 years. Yeah. So he's a, he's a big-time athlete in this league. So, therefore, it's like I think that's why it's even bigger of a deal. I think the fact that he did twist his words and he did kind of not outright lie and say, I am vaccinated, and now it turns out he's not, but he twisted it enough for people to believe it. And I think I feel like a lot of people do that when they don't want to – kind of, you know, be put on the spot and have everybody then ask questions and freak out and whatever. But I do think that, personally, he kind of of deserves everything he got. And, I mean, like you said, $14,000 for him is absolutely nothing.
0: Yeah. All right, we'll dip into the other piece of news that we have. Odell, that was big news across last week and this week. Odell... Was let go obviously by the Browns, and he was eligible to come off waivers on Monday. No one submitted a waiver claim, so he went off waivers, and he's currently right now, as we're speaking, on Wednesday, an unrestricted free agent. Um, Odell has prioritized three teams that he'd like to go to. He wants to go to contenders, so he's pit the Packers, the Saints, and the Chiefs for his prioritized teams. Doesn't mean he's gonna go there, but those are three teams that he has pit that he'd want to prioritize. The Packers today actually offered him um, the veteran minimum of 1.75 million um, because they can't really afford to spend a whole crap ton of money on him anyway. If he wants to go to the Packers that bad, he'd have to make that sacrifice. So, where do you guys think he's gonna go? Is he gonna be on a team that is gonna be a contender? Where is he gonna go?
1: I like him going to the Raiders. You know, with all the Henry Rugg stuff that just happened, like not really. You know, they yep. have a flashy offense. Derek Carr's a good quarterback. I mean, I don't think Odell's going to get everything he wants here. You know, they're f- a 6-3 team. I I like the Raiders. They I mean, they desperately need them. Yeah. I don't even know. They got Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Brian Edwards. I don't they got nobody. I, yeah. I really like th- that uh, option for them, but other than that, not, a, like, a good team I could see him going to other than the Raiders. I don't think he's going to go to the Packers. I couldn't see it.
2: I mean, I know he he put the Chiefs on his list, but the Chiefs have no money to pay him. No. And there's already so many guys on that offense Yeah. <laughs> that he'd be kind of in the same situation he was with the Browns, just not getting the ball ever. And I do think that um, right now, especially um, – I would like to see him either, like Trevor said, go to go to the Raiders, or I like the Saints. Yeah, I mean, without Michael Thomas for the year, and who knows for the future? I think the Saints also probably have some money to spend. I mean, they don't really have big name budget players right now, and so I think that they have some money to spend that they could throw around to a guy like that, and I think that would you know that would really help their offense. That would really you know do whatever for them and a Camara and Odell tandem I think that would be really really good. I would like to see that.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to I think the Saints would be a good fit for him now because you know like the Mike Thomas stuff. I mean, he's not going to be bad this year and they're in a situation right now where they can compete. They're an odd team, but they're definitely in the playoff hunt for sure. I think that the Chiefs and the Packers are in the times kind of kind of situation of the same it's like you're going to offer him the veteran minimum if you really want to play here you're going to have to take that and you're going to have to go um I think the Saints is definitely a good option for him I just don't know I'm surprised that he prioritized that with their kind of quarterback situation I think he wants to go to a team that you know has an elite quarterback where he's going to be looked at for the ball because he didn't he had problems with Baker last year or this year and then uh he kind of left New York because he was kind of having stuff with Peyton Manning for not throwing him the ball or Eli Manning So I'm not sure where he's going to end up. I think those three teams could be possibilities. I mean, the Packers are – I think what he kind of does with, like, the Packers and the Chiefs is he kind of prioritizes those big teams to go and get leverage for someone else to offer him more money to go to their team because they're competitors. So, oh, let's – you know, like a team like the Raiders is going to be like, oh, we don't want him going to the Chiefs or somebody that can compete from years on end. Let's throw him on our team, especially with all that Henry Rust. Rud stuff going on, but
1: I got a team for you guys. What about the Patriots? Bill Belichick kind of likes those. Yeah, he, he feels that he can like you know get them back on track. And, I like, heard something them about. Down.
0: I heard something about like the Patriots were like kind of in talks too about stuff. You know, they
1: had Josh Gordon. They got Antonio Brown for a little bit. But that didn't work out. But I think Bill Belichick sees that as like an opportunity. Like, all right, this guy's a good player. You got a new yeah. young quarterback. Like. I think I can settle him down. I got that, you know, mean sort of personality yeah. that I can, I can get him back in shape. But I, I think that's an interesting team. I could see him in. Back yeah, in the that's a good one too. I
2: would really like that actually. I mean, I, I think, like, by no means is Odell past his prime. No, like, not at all. Not at all. And I think that would be really good for a, a rookie quarterback like Mac Jones, who's kind of already proved himself. Yeah. This year that. He is a good enough quarterback and, you know, he's only he's gonna only grow with time. So I think Odell if I mean, that's actually a really good take, Trevor. I really like that. I didn't even think of the Patriots and I mean, he would obviously be the number one option there.
1: Yeah, and I think he needs to be. I think that's why Yeah. Well him and Jarvis are close, but like I think he needs to be like the number one guy. Yeah, I feel right. like he needs to
2: be like the only guy. Like how he was in New York was you had guys around him that were capable of catching yeah. the ball and getting yards, but nobody was scared of those guys. Right. And I think that's the Patriots is no one's scared of anybody on the Patriots really. And then you bring in Odell, boom. But, like, if he goes to a team like, you know, the Packers or the Chiefs, Tyreek kills ahead of him, Travis Kelsey's ahead of him, Devontae Adams is ahead of him, you know, Aaron Jones is ahead of him that he's gonna be kind of like the third fiddle, kinda of like how he was in uh, on the Browns. Like Landry was ahead of him, Nick Chubb was ahead of him, Kareem Hunt was ahead of him, and it just never worked out. But
0: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what he does because he's still got a lot in the tank, obviously. Um, he's a good player. There's questions about, you know, how he is as like a you know as a player. He's kinda of bit of a little bit of a hothead. He's somebody that maybe could ruin chemistry, but I think if he's on a decent team where he's respected and they re- he respects them back, I don't think there's any problems then. He's going to bring the talent on the field. but And how much of it is he actually a hothead or or is it more passion
2: to win? Yeah, It could be he's, that, he's, and he's, he's disrespected. Com- he's a very fiery competitor, and I feel like everyone, you know, he came onto the scene with the catch, you know, that huge catch against yeah. the Cowboys. And, you know, he's been known for all these one-handed, you know, just freak athlete kind of things that we don't really get to see a lot in, you know, receivers especially. But I don't know. Personally, I think that was the best take I've ever heard Trevor have, (laughs) saying that because I really do think Bill Belichick could make him what he was on the Giants, if not even better,
1: And I think that, like, Odell going to the Patriots makes that team – Who's already been looking really good, like serious threats in the playoffs. Like they don't really got a number one guy. And I think I think another thing why he didn't work out in Cleveland is like their offense just does not suit him. Like their offense is run the ball to Nick Chubb, play good defense. Yeah, Baker's not it. a guy who's gonna throw it forty times a game and will give Odell four or ten targets, you know. It's not that's just I think Maybe not right away, but in New England, if you want Odell to be there, you probably got to sign him to a deal. It's not just going to be some one-year thing. You know, I think in the long run, the Patriots could really benefit with Odell in their receiving core.
2: I agree. All right, and for the final news slash topics of the NFL for this week, we have our weekly picks. So just to recap, Last week Ryan went 2 and 3 so he's 5 and 5 so far in the last 2 weeks. Uh Trevor went 4 and 1 for a record of 6 and 4. I went 3 and 2 for a total record of 4 and 6. So for the first game that we have this week, it is the Titans versus the Saints. I have the Saints winning 28 to 21. I just think the Titans really got lucky on that game last week and I think the Saints are kind of showing that they're not that bad of a team. They had a really close game against the Falcons, and I think that there's going to be an upset here.
1: I could definitely see an upset. I think it's going to be really close. Like, on paper, this should this should be a convincing Titans win. But I don't know. I just don't – I'm not liking the Saints really too much anymore. Like, Trevor Simeon, I think, is a pretty decent downgrade from Jameis Winston. And Titans are playing really good football. I think it's really close. You know – neck-and-neck the whole game, I'm going to say Titans 24-23 at home.
0: Yeah, I'm – this game is going to be close. I have it projected to be close. I think the Titans are somebody that – just how they performed against the Rams last week, that they're somebody that can have a quarterback like Ryan Ryan Tannehill and perform effectively. The rush game, obviously, is not going to be very good this year or without Derrick Henry, not anywhere near what it has been. Um Saints' defense really keeps them in this game. I'm not 100% on their offense at all, but their defense has been playing really good lately. Their sits in the NFL in defense. But I'm going to take Titans in this one, 28-24.
1: I almost could see this game being pretty low scoring, too, now I think about it. I think it could be in the teens.
2: Yeah, I could see that. All right, the second game that we have picked for this week is uh, the Cleveland Browns. Versus the New England Patriots. I have the Browns winning 24-23. I think the only really reason why I have them winning is just what they did last week against the Bengals. I mean, it's incredible. And the Patriots are are a good team. But they're, you know, like we said, a rookie quarterback. I don't know exactly what's all going to be happening with the Browns this week. uh, With Nick Chubb possibly being out. True. But I just do think with how they handled the Bengals last week that they're gonna get it done.
1: I got well. Now that Odell's going to the Patriots, I think I'm <laughs> gonna take the Patriots in this game. Oh, I'm kidding, but uh, I'm gonna say Patriots 23-17. I think that this team is one of the hottest teams in the league right now. I think they started one and four. They've won four straight. They like it's All came together. Like I think at the beginning it was just like you had so many new pieces and you're just trying to get Mac Jones going, and you know now it's like Bill Belichick's got that team looking good. And Browns, I do like what they did last week, but uh, Patriots are at home. I'm going to take them
0: 23-17. I'm going to go with the Browns here, 24-21. to I think the Browns, just what they were able to show last week, show that they're a really good team, and I think Baker is getting comfortable finally. He's somebody that last week he played very well. And the Patriots are a hot team right now. This is going to be a really close game. I could see it being a lot closer than 27-21. to 21. Um, But I think the Cleveland Browns defense has been playing really good these last couple of games. They're 7th in the lead right now. Their offense is kind of the question, especially now with Nick Chubb possibly being out. If Nick Chubb is out, there's a really good chance that the Patriots win this game and they could win it by a touchdown or two. Um, I have faith in De'arnest though. Dearness it looks like a solid running back for them. They have a very good running back room in the lead. I think they might have the best running back room in the lead. So I'm going to go with the Browns there, 27-21. to 21.
1: I think that could be the best game this week. Honestly. Yeah. I, that's going to be a good game.
2: All right, the third game we picked is the Chargers versus the Vikings. I picked Chargers winning 28-17. to 17. Uh, Like I said last week, I will no longer – uh, pick the Vikings to win a game because <laughs> I gave up on them. Uh, I don't know.
1: You're saying the spread's 11 points though. It,
2: it's the Vikings.
1: Yeah, but they haven't lost a game by less than, or by more than seven points all year. It
2: does not matter. It's the Vikings. I don't hate
1: your pick, but I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> I'm uh, just the spread. I,
2: I don't like close games. I, I'm done with the Vikings, and I I think the Chargers really kind of get back on track to what they were at the beginning of the year. I think Mike Williams has a great game against our against the Vikings secondary that is just terrible, honestly. So I I like I said I'm sticking with it. I think it's gonna be an 11 point game. It could also, honestly even be more.
0: Wow. I'm gonna go with the Chargers here too. I am also at the point where I can't pit the Vikings anymore. Because I really thought they were going to win last week, and I was actually excited about that. The Vikings are going to be in these close games, and they're going to have all these close games probably the rest of the year. But it's a, I just can't pick them. So I'm going to go with Chargers 31-21. to 21. I have a 10-point spread. I think the Chargers hop on to what they have been used to be doing. So I think Justin Herbert could have a really good game against the Vikings secondary this could also be a game that the Vikings win, though. It's going to be close. He could I don't really like my spread a whole lot either looking at it, but see, I, I just don't know. I think Delvin Cook could have a really good game. I think Justin Herbert has a really good game, and Kirk Cousins does enough to stay in it but not win.
1: And just when everybody thinks that the Vikings are done with the Delvin Cook news coming out, and the players getting all twenty nine players getting tested to COVID, and Zimmer possibly getting fired.
0: <laughs> oh. The Vikings
1: are three and five in the season. I know what's coming. Over, the Vikings will surprise the nation <laughs> with a twenty six to twenty three win against the Chargers to keep their playoff hopes alive. Make Mike Zimmer seat a little colder, and the Vikings will right be right back in the playoff picture. And. A lot of people will probably be upset about their win because th- all they want them to do now is tank. And But this is what the Vikings do. They are never, they can never be super bad in getting a draft pick, but they can never be super good and win a Super Bowl. This is what the Vikings do, and they're going to do it on Sunday against the Chargers.
0: I'm really surprised the eyes of the nation are going to be on this game. The it's, eyes you're of the nation? Surprise the nation. The, yeah. the eyes Kirk of the nation. is going
1: to go bonkers in this game. <laughs>
0: The no, eyes of the I, nation are I was just definitely never going to be on the
1: Vikings. Moment. I was thinking of something in the moment, but <laughs> it will shock a lot of people, NFL fans out there.
2: All righty, moving on from that absolutely interesting take. Uh, we have yeah. game four is uh, Seattle Seahawks versus Green Bay Packers. Um, so I have, I have two scores for this game, and that really depends on if Rodgers is playing or not because in my first score I have 21 to 13 Seahawks if Rodgers isn't playing. However, if he is playing, it's a 28-21 victory for the Packers. So I don't I I don't really know what I can go with and I'm going to probably I'm going to go with right here that Rodgers does play. So for my official pick, I'm making it 28-21
1: Packers. This is a tough game because like Wait, Russell Wilson's back this week, no? Yep, he's starting. Okay. Well, that's what I thought. But I could see this being a trap game for the Packers just because of everything that's going on. And the Seahawks, like, all right, you're still alive with this depleted NFC NFC conference. And it's like, it's a game you got to have. And I could see the Seahawks going in and doing it. But Packers have just owned them so well in the past besides the NFC championship game. But, like, ever since then, it's like... It's like the Packers at home against the Seahawks, usually the Packers control it. They played in the playoffs like two years ago, and they controlled that game the whole time throughout. Rodgers always outplays Russell Wilson. I think Packers win 30-17 in this one. I think pa- the. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to play. Obviously, if he doesn't, I think the Seahawks get a win, but I'm going to say 30-17 Packers.
0: I'm going to go to Packers here too, obviously, 34-24. to I'm going on the fact that Aaron Rodgers is playing. I think that the Packers' defense is really surprising a lot of people, and this game at Lambeau could be one of their best defensive performances, I think, that they've had all season. But when I say that, the Seahawks are going to play with a lot of desperation this game. Russell Wilson is coming back. They're statistically the worst offense in the league this year. So that's obviously with Russell Wilson being out some of those games too. This is going to be an interesting one. I just don't know. Just don't know really the spread of it. I think Packers do get the win, though. Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be playing. MVS is back. Uh Devontae or David Battiari is activated this week, so he will play this week. I know that for a fact now. So that is very good for them. I think that they get a big win at home 20 or 34 to 24. Alright, and for the
2: final game that we picked was the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Las Vegas Raiders. And I picked the Raiders to win this one uh thirty-one twenty-eight. Now, I realized after I made this pick that the Chiefs probably haven't put up twenty-eight points in the last like four weeks. Yeah. But I do think that they're gonna kinda kinda get back into it. And I think the Raiders, especially losing a tough game against a team like the Giants, I think they they're gonna come out and they're gonna win. They're gonna win this one, and I I with all the stuff that's going on, you know, again they're in the news again this week with uh, having to release one of their corners, first former first round pick, due to him doing stupid stuff on social media. I just think that they're finally gonna kind of Derek Carr is gonna have himself a day, and they're gonna get a big win.
1: I'm going to – I agree with that. And the Raiders always play the Chiefs very well. Like last year, Chiefs lost two games all year. One was a week 17 game where they um, – well, unless you count the Super Bowl. But regular season games, the only two games they lost was one against the Raiders at home and the other one was week 17 where they bench other starters. So, I like the Raiders. I think it's going to be kind of low scoring. Both offenses haven't been – and now the Raiders don't have – Henry Ruggs, like their offense, I think, takes a step back, but their defense will step up. I'm going to say 20-16 Raiders in this one, and, yeah, I think, it, I think it's pretty low scoring.
0: I think this is a game when they come off a win like that last week against Jordan Love. They obviously didn't play as well as they should have. That game on paper probably should have been a blowout without Aaron Rodgers playing. I think the Chiefs get a win here, though. I think that the Chiefs... They gotta have one of these games where their offense has to score some points. I mean, they're too good. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is too good of a quarterback. They have too good of weapons. They're going against a pretty good defense in Las Vegas, but I think that this could be a game where we kind of see a good, you know, a good game out of Patrick Mahomes. Finally, I think they could get the running game going. It says statistically that the Chiefs are the third best offense in the league. They are not playing like the third best offense right now. But I say that the Chiefs pull this one out in a narrow victory, um, twenty-four to third, twenty-four to twenty-one.
2: Moving on to the second portion of the show, the NBA. Do 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 All right. So, first portion of the NBA that we're going to talk about today is some record overviews. So we're about what week three or four into the season probably now. Yep. Um, you're kind of getting a, you know, I mean, I guess it's still early enough, but you're, you're starting to have a a team identity at this point in time. And I really think that there are some teams that are shaping up to have the season that we kind of thought we're, they're going to have. And there's other teams that they're just underperforming right now. Um, so far leading the East, the top three teams are the heat at seven and three, the bulls at seven, three and the wizards at seven and three and for the west it is the warriors at 9 and 1, jazz at 8 and 3 and the mavericks at 7 and 3. So Ryan, who is your most surprising team this far and who's your most disappointing team?
0: My most surprising team I think is the Miami Heat. They are on top of the east right now in a three-way tie like we mentioned Miami Heat last year, they were just kind of a team that, I mean, they made the playoffs and they get bumped first round against the Butts, they get swept. And that team did not look anything like they did winning the champ or going to the championship the year before in the bubble. And everyone was calling them a fluke and they kind of played like a fluke team. So far this year, they're playing pretty good. It's Jimmy Butler is playing ridiculously well, averaging 25.3 points per game and two two steals. He's doing his stuff. He's playing decent defense. And then the big surprise for me is Tyler Hero after a really down year last year, something that we weren't expecting. He's averaging 20 points per game currently right now. And then Bam Adebayo is averaging 18 points per game. So that that right now is a big three for them. And there's somebody that's really surprising me. Can they hold it? I personally don't think they can, but they could prove me wrong. One team that kind of has been disappointing me so far, I think... One team that has really been disappointing me so far right now is in the East, and that's the Boston Celtics. I thought the Celtics with Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown being back and having that, obviously a great franchise that they were able going to be able to perform well. Uh, their defense, they've been lighting up a decent amount of points, and they're kind of middle of the pack right now. They're sitting at 4 and six, 11th in the East. Obviously, it's really early. But they're, aver- they're 15th in points per game, 16th in rebounds per game, 17th in assists per game, and then their defense is 24th in the lead for points per game, letting up 110 points per game. This is a team to me that I just kind of look at. Um, we really thought Jason Tatum could really have an MVP season this year. I think he definitely can. He's averaging 23 23.6 right now, 8 rebounds, and then 3 assists, but... So far, the Boston, they haven't really impressed me a whole lot yet. And they've been playing relatively decent teams. Uh, These last couple games, they've been playing Dallas, who's obviously dangerous. Miami, who I just talked about. Orlando, who is somebody that hasn't really been that great. They got a dub there. And then they played the Bulls, who have been playing decent. So they probably had a couple rough games against good opponents. But I thought the Celtics would definitely be on the top of the East for how much hype they were getting with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown.
2: Yeah, and, uh, you know, kind of going off of that, I think, especially what I look at is is this is the first time that they really don't have a point guard. Yeah. You know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, those three are kind of flipping between that, playing that point guard role. And I think that's maybe a a reason why that they're not having the greatest success right now. And like we said, it is very, very early in the year. So that could easily change in the next week or two. Um, so my surprising team of this year so far is the Washington Wizards, sitting at, like I said earlier, third in the conference, 7-3. and three. You know, I think last year you have Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal together, and everyone expected more fireworks out of them, and they made it to the playoffs. However, they just couldn't do anything. And, you know, this year it's they trade – Westbrook away, you bring in a guy like Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harold, you know, doesn't really benefit your team, you think, that much. However, so far it seems to be working. You know, you have your leading scorer, to, leading scorer Bradley Beal, who's kind of been going off the last couple of years anyways, but he's at 24 points right now. You know, five five rebounds, five assists, having a, about a steal and a half per game. Just, Just having a really good season so far. I mean, I like this team, and I think if this team could keep it up, they'd be an interesting team in the playoffs to match up against. Yeah, and good. my t- disappointing team in the this so far is also in the East, and that is the Atlanta Hawks. Obviously, everybody knows last year Atlanta made it to the Eastern Conference Finals um, after beating the uh, 76ers in a seven-game series, was it? Yeah, it was a seven-game seven series. Seven-game series. They, they take the Bucks to six. Really surprising team, and I think they brought every single person back, and right now they're sitting at four and eight. They're on a five-game losing streak, and you would think, oh, they're on this five-game losing streak. Their star player must be out. Nope. No. Trey Young is playing. Yeah, that's, that's He's crazy. Ha- he's at, right now he's averaging 24 points, nine assists, three rebounds. He's shooting four. You know, 43% from the field. He's only shooting 33% from three. Yeah. And I don't know. It's surprising to me because you would think after the success that they had last year, bringing every single person back that they would just build on that. And yeah. like we said, it's very early, very, very early in the season. So we can't jump to conclusions right away, but they just, I was really, I was really disappointed. I expected them to kind of be like you said, like a Celtics kind of up in the front, kind of of the east but yeah so far nothing
0: what do you think about like you know obviously with atlanta we we're watching them last year against the butts in the finals and or not in the finals uh, in eastern conference finals and you know they bring the butts to sits and they have a lot of really good role players on this team is this like an opportunity with a slow start for the atlanta Hawks, for like somebody to like cam reddish to get going Get more opportunities. Like in the playoffs, you saw him a little bit, and when he played, he was decent. It's like I think this would be an opportunity for Cam Reddish to start blowing up.
2: You know, I've always liked Cam Reddish. I I, I watched him. You know, I watched his you know mixtapes from high school and right. watched him when he played on Duke, and he was always a great player. I mean, he is six foot eight, shooting guard slash small forward. I think he, you know. He's young. I mean, he's only his third year in the league. He's 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 a guy that if they gave him the the you know the time, they put the energy into him and kind of let him go, I think he would have a great career. And honestly, right now, he's averaging twelve points. Yeah. Not really doing anything else on, but he's shooting, you know, arguably thirty nine percent from three. So I do think that he is somebody that they kind of just let it go. Like, just go. Do your thing. If it doesn't work out, whatever. But I also could possibly see a trade coming. You know? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, okay, we taking this. We're in the first 12 games so far. We're 4-8. and eight. We need to switch something up. Something isn't right. And I could see a guy like Daniil Hunter who used was a first-round pick and maybe a Cam Reddish, you pair him to go get somebody bigger, you know, out there, but... I don't know. I, I really do like Cam Reddish, and like you said, we got to see a little bit of him in the playoffs last year, and from the most part that we saw, he looked good.
0: Yeah, he came off the bench, and he was hitting threes like very well. It's He was a great role player, and like kind of going off of it, It's obviously last year he didn't play a whole lot of games. He only played 26 games, but in those 26 games, he was averaging 29 minutes per game. This year right now he's averaging 23 minutes a game, and he's averaging 12 points compared to his 11 points last year so they might be utilizing utilizing him a little bit more if he can continue getting those points but yeah Atlanta Falcons that or Atlanta Hawks I always get them mixed up they're they're confusing to me but obviously it's really early early in the season we really haven't really talked to any west teams because i kind of look at that playoff picture and i'm like there's not a whole lot of surprises right now it's like golden state is first, and I thought that they would be up there anyway, Utah Jazz 2, Dallas Mavericks 3, Phoenix 4, Memphis 5, Denver 6, and then like L.A., both the L.A. teams at 7 and 8.
2: I think the only team really that is surprisingly not where they should be is the Pelicans. I mean, they're 1 and 10 right now. <laughs> they're 1 and 10, That and their only win is against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So that makes me feel even better about <laughs> Minnesota sports teams. However, though, they do they are without uh Zion Williamson. And yeah. I they, they're a team that I expected to be doing way better. And I think a guy like, you know, Brandon Ingram can carry this team by himself. But obviously. It looks, you know, you lose a guy like Lonzo Ball in free agency. You get rid of a guy like Eric Bledsoe. You don't have Zion Williamson. Plain and simple, they're just not good right now. Yeah. And I think that is the, probably the really the only surprise in the West. Yeah. I mean, you could make a case that the Warriors are 9-1 and one and no one expected it and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But, I mean, I think... majority of people did expect it, the fact that, I mean, Curry is Curry.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised by it. It's like Curry's going to keep a team in the playoff hunt no matter what team he's on. He's just that explosive of a player. But their role players have been playing really really good. Draymond Green is kind of looking like him on himself. You know, you got Jordan Jordan Poole. Poole is really going off. I mean, they got good role players on that team, and they're definitely helping out. And, you know, until Thompson can come back... I mean, they're looking pretty right now. So. And Clay
2: Thompson might even come back early yeah. from the reports that I've been reading on it. And like you said about role players, you know, Jordan Poole right now is playing about 29 minutes a game. He's averaging 18 points. I think that's that's literally all, you know, Curry really, really needs. Yeah. And there's somebody that really hasn't been talked about a lot this year that I'm kind of surprised with, and that's Andrew Wiggins. I really yeah, haven't true. heard anything about him.
0: Yeah, it's like Andrew Wiggins. It's like Iguodala almost gets brought up more than Andrew Wiggins does. Andrew Wiggins is kind of looked at, too, as a a scorer on that team. But Jordan Poole kind of took that stuff and ran with it. Mm-hmm. I know something, you know, as a Butts fan, I look at it. I look at somebody like Gary Payton that is coming off the bench. The dude has been blowing up lately. Yeah. It's like he's not putting up fantastic numbers, but against – Houston, he put up ten, and then off the bench against the Pelicans, he put up 17, and against uh, Charlotte, he puts up 14. And somebody that is averaging not that many minutes per game in the past, but now he's getting around 17 to 20 some minutes. And I know he was on the butts for a while, and it's he played pretty good basketball. He's a physical player, and he's like got athleticism, like crazy athleticism. Like I look at it, and he's like. I get vibes of Derrick Rose athleticism from him. He's just crazy. Yeah. And
2: the reason why he's been in the news lately is because of the fact that he has been posterizing people yeah. left and right. And it, and just looking at him, you don't really it doesn't scream somebody who could poster. No. Like he just he just doesn't look like a guy that is that can do it. I mean, I don't know. It's 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 fun to watch like you said. I mean, obviously everybody knows his dad Gary Payton the Glove. So it's it's a fun thing to watch. I like it, and I don't know. I this so far this NBA season is kind of what I've expected, and you know I I obviously NBA is my favorite sport, and so it's like just being able to watch some of these games and see some of these players doing what they're doing. It's I just love it, and I
0: love this time of year for this, and we're just getting started. Our next topic is some NBA news. Uh, a couple of days ago, Jokic and Marqueef Morris, they decided to do and have a little pushing match. Uh, what happened there was pretty much Marqueef was talking talking shit to Jokic, and then Jokic, or he kind of hard fouled Jokic, and then Marqueef got pushed by Jokic, and it ended up causing a nice old Twitter war between the two, the brothers, Jokic's brother too, wasn't it? It was like Jokic's brother versus the Morris brothers, and that was pretty funny. Um, Markeith Morris is fined $50,000 and then totally Jokic is suspended for one game. You know, I kind of watched the tape on this and it's like this stuff happens a lot. I don't know why it's frontline news because I mean someone got suspended for it and there's a whole bunch of Twitter stuff. I don't think if there was any Twitter stuff that this thing would have been huge, but I don't know. What do you take about this? Jokic is kind of Somebody now that it's like he's really respected, he kind of really doesn't do type of some of this stuff. But like last year later in the season, he's been like, there's been little stuff like this with Jokic.
2: I like it. Oh, I do too. I think the thing is, I think a lot of people think they can get away with it because of the fact that they think, you know, Jokic is a nice guy and he's, you know, he's not going to, he's going to just take it and whatever. And I mean, the fact that it was completely uncalled for. Yeah. I mean, on Morris's part, just to completely deck him, pretty much. I mean, and what do you expect? The guy reacts. I mean, you know, emotions get out of hand. Like, Udaz Haslam says it best. Emotions get the best of everybody. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't think Jokic was trying to hit him that hard. The fact that, you know, maybe there's a little bit of flopping, a little bit of acting on Morris's part. But I like it, and I think... I think Shaq when he was talking about it he said that's something that you would that I would do. Yeah. And I think as a big guy you'd need to do that so people know not to mess with you.
0: Yeah, I really think that yeah, I think that's a good point. It's like if Shaq's saying it too it's like as a big man you just can't let somebody stomp on you because they know then they're going to be like oh there's this big 7-footer but he's weak. It's exactly. like if it's a point guard it's like whatever. But if it's like a center like Jokic is somebody that is respected but Somebody that maybe people are thinking that they can score on a little bit. It's like I think Jokic did the decent thing there. It's like I honestly like this type of stuff. I like the shit talking on social media. I mean, this stuff is fun. I don't I like.
2: I think that's what separates right now the NBA from the NFL is the fact that you can have stuff like this and it not. You know, obviously they both got ejected and whatever, but I think you can kind of have this back and forth and but still respect each other as competitors. And at the end of the day, go your separate ways. But I really like Jokic standing up for himself. And I think it's funny. His brothers get involved on Twitter, obviously. And I think I get where they suspend him for the one game, but I would have liked to see, you know, the NBA also suspend Morris for one game for what he did leading up to it. Um, However, I think Jimmy Butler, for standing up for his player, it's a it's the right thing to do. But also at the same time, what is Jimmy Butler really going to do? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. I get you know you stand up for your teammates and you do whatever. But I think Jimmy Butler kind of overstepped his boundary, in that aspect of yeah. They all I, there's a picture of him, uh, Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, all standing outside waiting for. The Denver players. I don't know if you saw that. No, I never did. Yeah, they're standing there and there's like security guards holding them back and it's like, I'm sorry, but Jimmy Butler, what are you going to do? You're going to get in a street fight? Like, you're going to get into a fist fight with some of these guys? And I get, you know, tempers flare and everything, but at the end of the day, this isn't something that you get into a fight over. This isn't something you throw punches over. This isn't, it is what it is and who cares? Get over it.
0: Yeah, I think it's you know, it's a lot of heat. It's, you know, Denver ends up winning that game. I mean, this happened with 2.30 left. I mean, I don't even know, it was Miami even in this game? This is kind of something where it's like stupid, where it's the end of the game. Stuff like this happens. They get frustrated.
2: I don't know. And that's 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 what I'm saying. It's just, it's stupid to me. And I mean, the final score is 113 to 96.
0: Yeah. So heat were out of this game probably. So it's just emotions are flared. I I think it was funny when, you know, Tyler Hero, just is like, after he pushes Markeith, he's like, hey, man, you don't do that. Just like yelling at him. He just doesn't even go up to him. He's just like, hey, man, you don't do that. And then Jimmy Butler flies in. Exactly. Like, that's
2: what I'm saying. It's like, obviously, you know, Tyler Hero is going to stand up for his guy too. And I, watching the video of it, it looks funny because it's like, what are you going to do to Jokic? Jokic just put that dude on his ass. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to come in here and verbally verbally say, hey, don't do that. <laughs> like it's just funny to me,
0: it's like a Tyler Hero. thing this thing.
2: and like I think you know the fact that everyone thinks of Jokic as this super nice guy, and he usually very much is, but the fact that even you know you have you have former players that are talking like I would have done the exact same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, that's it, it. Just it kind of like it makes it almost seem like what Jokic did was completely fine, and the fact that what Morris did was. The reason why he, he should be also suspended. I mean, if you don't if you don't have this incident happen, Jokic doesn't come back and just randomly truck somebody. Yeah. So I think personally that both parties at this point should have been suspended and it should have just been moved on as it is what it is. Who cares? Yeah. I agree. And you know, it, it adds for obviously this team will only play it, you know, probably the Heat one more time this year in the regular season. It adds for fuel for for that next game. So I I personally really like it and I think this should this should happen more.
0: I agree. And that's piece of news, the biggest piece of news that we'll talk a whole bunch about. It's NFL star Frank Gore to fight Ats NBA player Darren Williams in a boxing match on Jade Paul versus Tommy Fury in the undercard. Obviously, everybody has been keeping up with what Jade Paul has been doing. Uh Obviously, Jade Paul is going to fight a real fighter now. He's fighting Tommy Fury in an undercard on December 18th. I'm getting all of this from ESPN, by the way. Thank you, ESPN. And it was announced that Darren Williams and Frank Gore (laughs) will be fighting each other. Uh, I'm surprised. It's like Frank Gore, obviously, this old NFL player. I don't even know how old Darren Williams is. He's probably around the same age. But the spout is contracted for 215 pounds in four rounds between the two. Frank Gore is, as many of you know, a veteran fighter. <laughs> fighter. And Darren Williams is Darren Williams. Matt, what do you think about this? You know the tale of the tape.
2: You know, we talk about it. Darren Williams is 37 years old. He's 6'3". Frank Gore, 38 years old, 5'9". So uh, Yeah I mean obviously everybody knows Frank Gore is this Jacked person however I don't really know Darren Darren Williams has not Been in the news I don't think in the last What six years Yeah So, And everybody the only reason why Frank Gore Is really in the news is because everyone's like he's still Going like he's still Playing yeah so I think it's kind of funny I don't know. It kind of reminds me of the of the um, Nate Robinson fight. Yeah. But it's something that these guys can just do after their careers, make some money, get yeah. in the news again. I mean, I don't really get it. I, I think it's
0: stupid. I think it's funny that, you know, uh, obvious, like a Pro Bowl running back, Frank Gore, one of the best all-time, is fighting Darren Williams. It's like Darren Williams is... Somebody that we haven't heard of from in a while. It's like, I don't really know who is, like, training in, like, MMA and boxing. Like, all these former players and, like, celebrities and stuff. But, I don't know if this is something that I'd want to watch. I don't really care to watch boxing, especially when it's with Jake Paul. Nothing against him. I just don't like watching Jake Paul. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to take, I'm taking Frank Gore, though. He might be shorter, but the dude is just... Dude's a beast, I think. I watched tape of him, actually, like, practicing and, like, the rain and stuff. Dude's quit. Obviously, he's quit. I mean, we've seen him in the NFL, but I'm taking Frank Gore with, you know, all the money I have in my bank account on this.
2: All right, let's make a friendly bet. Okay. For a drink. You take Frank Gore. I'll take... Darren Williams. Darren Williams. And the reason why I'm taking Darren Williams, shout-out to ESPN again, uh, this is his statement. Combat sports have been a part of my life since my youngest days. Before I was a basketball player, I was a wrestler. Since 2015, I've had the privilege of owning an MMA gym. And throughout the years, I've been training in various martial arts to stay active. Over the last couple years, I've been waiting for the right opportunity to translate my training into a professional debut. So obviously, he's been training
1: for years.
2: So I like this. So for a friendly drink, uh, I'll take Darren Williams.
0: All right, sounds good, and we'll make sure to get back to you on you, on what happens next. To make sure to tune into that fight. That fight will be again on December 18th. Last segment of our show, me and Matt are going to be talking about that our top five NBA players right now, this is not NBA players, I want to make this determination, these are not who we think is the top five NBA players in the league. It's like, that is not that. This is top five players who are playing right now that have been really turning up the heat and playing really good for our team. So let's go with number five for both of us and we'll work up the list. Who do you got at number five?
2: I have uh, Jokic. The reason why I have Jokic here is because you can make a case for a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo. You can make a case for a bunch of these players. Um, But right now he is the most efficient player in the league in that category. Yep. So and I think, you know, form you know, last year's MVP, he deserves this spot. He's averaging, you know, his his normal twenty-five and eleven. So for that reason and being the most efficient, I have him at number five.
0: Yeah, for my number five, I was kind of debating it too. There's a lot of good players that you can throw around there. I think our top threes are really similar. I went with I actually went with Giannis. Obviously their record hasn't been crazy good this year. They're four and six. Uh, But the butts are somebody that have been banged up, and they're going to be able to hop back up in top of the East without a doubt in my opinion. But Giannis has been averaging 27.6 points per game, 11 rebounds a game, 5 assists, and obviously his defense has been really good too, averaging 1.5 blocks per game. But he's also been shooting 51% from the field, which is really good. He's been taking a lot more threes. Uh, His three-point percentage is around that mid to lower 30s which is something that he's been working on but I think Giannis just the impact that he has on his team I mean he's second in the league in scoring right now behind Kevin Durant but he's somebody that I always will put in that top five unless he's all of a sudden just underperforms the dude has been putting up big numbers like he always does all right number four who do you got
2: I have DeMar DeRozan he is kind of a guy that just Surprised everyone this year. I mean, yeah, I wasn't his last couple him. years, uh, I mean, obviously everyone knows his long-term success with, you know, obviously the Raptors. But the last couple years, he's been kind of just here and there for, uh, you know, the Spurs. Like, the most he's averaged was 21. You know, does enough for them to get into the playoffs, but isn't crazy big. And I think... I don't know. I think this year, new team, he kind of – he does, he's not the guy because they have Zach Levine, so he can kind of play second fiddle, and I think that's really working out for him. I mean, he's averaging 27 points per game this year, shooting 50% from the field. Uh, he's averaging also 5.7 rebounds per game, 3.6 assists. And the interesting thing that obviously for me is – Right now he's shooting 39% from three, which, and he's not known as a three-point shooter. So that's that's something really interesting to look at this year, and I think he's having a really good start to his, this season.
0: All right, who I have sitting at number four is actually John ja Morant. John ja Morant is obviously a great offensive talent. He's averaging 27.5 points per game, 7.5 rebounds. Um, he's somebody that has put the Memphis Grizzlies with a 6-4 record. They're 5th in the Western Conference. The Their team is 11th in points per game, 7th uh, in rebounds per game, and 5th in assists per game. Their defense obviously isn't very good, um, but their offense has been playing really decent. He's somebody to me that I think could be you know, a dark horse for an MVP this year. The dude is electric. He's somebody that shoots consistently. He shoots a lot. But... Just being able to put the Grizzlies at the fifth spot in the West right now with the success that they've been having, especially on offense, they worked on that defense. This Memphis team could be a pretty scary team, a young scary team. Uh, that's why I like him at my number four spot right now. Who do you got at three?
2: At three, I have Kevin Durant. I mean, Kevin Durant is doing Kevin Durant things. Number one in the league in scoring. You know, obviously the team success is not there right now. However, like we said earlier. It's super early in the season. I think that that changes for them once they kind of just get a footing. But Kevin Durant is just doing Kevin Durant things. And I mean, it's hard to have him not in the top five ever in this, you know, in the NBA. And he's arguably one of the greatest scorers of all time, just pure scorers. So that's the reasons why I have him at three.
0: At my three spot, I actually have DeMar DeRozan. Like you said, he's averaging that 20 some point, 27 some points per game. He's put the Bulls at uh, the second spot in the East with a seven and three record. He was somebody to me that I look at that I didn't think DeMar DeRozan was going to be somebody that's going to be putting up all these points. I was thinking Zach Levine first, and honestly, I was thinking maybe Vucevic second. Vucevic is somebody that. You know, these last couple of years, he kind of sits in the spot, like in the shadows a little bit. He's not somebody that's ever talked about specifically. Uh, usually, big men like that usually aren't talked about as much. Uh, but I thought Vucevic was gonna have a good year. I thought Demar Derozan would be third or arguably second. But seeing him averaging these points right now is really good. I'm a big fan of Demar Derozan. Uh, I liked him obviously when he was, you know, at Toronto, and then he jumped around a little bit. And obviously, right now, I hope he keeps up with his success. Uh, obviously, the Bulls' arrivals are my butts, but I don't really care. Demar Derozan is doing good, so um, I'm very excited about that. So that team is scary, man. I we've said it before, and I think we'll be saying it throughout this whole season. That team can be really damn good. I I like that team. Like
2: I really really like it. Not only for the fact of what the Bulls used to be, with the fact of you know Michael Jordan and all that success, but just a guy like I've always liked Zach Levine. Yeah, and he you know he gets here and it's always well Zach Levine will never make it to the playoffs. It's the whole Devin Booker situation for him, and now he finally has a team. He has a great pass-first point guard in in Lonzo that I love. I love absolutely love Lonzo Ball, and you get a great guy in Demar Derozan and Vucevic. It's obviously working. And the biggest thing, like we said, was the like the downfall of Levine was his defense. Yeah, and you now bring in two defensive-minded players. And it's just working out great. And I think that they're going to have the success for a while because DeMar DeRozan's only 32. Yeah. So the fact that if they can keep him and he can keep playing at this level for, I mean, obviously he's not going to play at this level for the next six years, but if he can play at this level for the rest of this year and maybe next year, that's going to be enough to kind of do a lot for this team.
0: Right. And I think something really good and kind of touch on it last part here, is that DeMar DeRozan is somebody who throughout his whole career was never really a three-point shooter. He's really stepped up his game. This year he's averaging uh one point one three-pointer made, which isn't a whole lot, but considering how you're looking at his career, the most he's ever averaged was in a in a year when he was averaging the most in his career, he was averaging 0.6 three-pointers a game, and he wasn't even attempting very many. He was attempting one, and this year he's attempting two point three. So he's shooting the ball more and he's shooting at a consistent rate 40% compared to his next highest was 30 yeah. uh, back in 2014. So he's yeah, shooting the that, ball more.
2: That's what I'm saying and I I think I mentioned that a little bit earlier is the guy is he's not known as a three-point shooter and the fact that he is having some success there just it translates even more for the fact of how great of a season he's right now having. But uh moving on to the number two person I have right now in the NBA that's performing well is Paul George. I think the reason why I have Paul George there is first of all he he's leading a team right now to six and four they're number six arguably in the in the conference you know there's a couple record ties so depending on how whatever but he's they're number six um he's at right now he's averaging 26.7. 8 rebounds, 5.4 assists. He's just, he's playing unbelievable. It Like, I went to that uh, Timberwolves uh, Clippers game and he just did not miss. Yeah. And it's incredible to see and the fact that he's doing all of this without Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. And everybody huge. like, I think that's why, I, that's partially the reason why I have him so high is the fact that people didn't think that he was going to be able to lead a team and i know he gets a lot of he gets a lot of hate in the playoffs cuz obviously his nickname is playoff p and he just he just doesn't show up yeah but right now i mean the fact that he is leading this team and he's doing it with great success it it's it's fun to watch and i've always been a fan of paul george i've never you know, I've always, I loved when he was on the Pacers. I mean, on OKC, I think that was a bad fit for him. Yeah. But this LA team, I like him there, and it, it, it's fun to watch. It's fun basketball.
0: Yeah. And I think comparing him with Kawhi Leonard is really huge, and it's like what you're doing right now with him, obviously not having Kawhi at his side, I think that is really good for him. And I'm glad to see Paul George go. I've always been a fan of him. Yeah, like you said, when he was on the Pacers, I loved him on the Pacers. The dude was just electric. For my number two spot, I have Kevin Durant. I think that Kevin Durant deserves a top three spot, obviously top two spot, just for what he's doing on this team right now with the Nets, with obviously a lot of people that can score the ball. They don't have Kyrie Irving, but people that can score the ball in this offense, uh, obviously with all the goal scorers like we talked about in the first episode, averaging the most points in the league right now with 29.5, 8.8 rebounds, and 5.3 assists. The dude is shooting lights out. He's somebody that I look at, shoots the ball at will, and he can score wherever he wants to on that floor. The Nets aren't doing as good right now, but I think they're too good of a team. They'll figure it out. I think it's just how they're going to facilitate that ball around the court will really kind of figure, figure it out for them. I mean, they started off with a rough record. Uh, they were below 500 for a little bit, but now they're 7-4. and four, They're 7th in the East. They're gonna be in that top three spot in the East. I just know they're gonna be. They could be, they arguably can be in the finals. And Kevin Durant, honestly, he's my he's my favorite right now for MVP at the end of the season. So all right. Should we just say our number ones together? All right, one, two, three. Steph, Steph Curry. Curry. All right. You say Kevin Durant is your
2: MVP at the end of the year. My MVP at the end of the year, if he can continue this, is Steph Curry.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, obviously, he's my favorite player in the NBA by far. The, what the guy can do is just insane. I mean, greatest shooter of all time. I think it's. I think I'm just looking at his stats here. He's averaging twenty-seven point six, and you know he's shooting forty-three percent from the field. The dude's shooting thirty-nine percent from three. He's averaging thirteen attempts per game yeah that's it's just unreal and he's you know doing his 6.6 rebounds 6.6 assists he's just one of those guys that every single year you're getting the same productivity and i mean obviously like we mentioned earlier they're nine and one they're leading the western conference right now and curry is the game changer like curry obviously we knew what golden state was like when they didn't have him they got a you know the number two pick in the in the draft. Um, But I love it. I'm so happy that Curry is back and I would love to see him win a third MVP. And I would love to see him make a deep run in the playoffs. And I don't know. I just watching Curry play basketball is probably the most like beautiful thing. Yeah. That man is just, it's unreal what he can do on the basketball court.
0: I agree. I think Curry has been somebody throughout His whole career, he's going to get you points wherever on the floor. Once he crosses that half-court line, you need to be darting him. He's proven that right now this year. He's a great leader. He could put up stats. He's a great assist person. I mean, he's efficient. The The dude could easily win MVP this year, too. He's somebody that I'm looking at. Something that really surprises me about the Warriors is Steph Curry will have those off games. He has those. Obviously, he has those off games when we're watching him play. When we don't watch him play, he stores 30, 40, 50 points and he makes nine threes. But besides the point, the Golden State Warriors, when the, he is having like poor, efficient nights against Houston, he had 20 points. Pelicans, he had 19 points. Charlotte, he had 15 points. They still got all wins. And he was shooting uh, from three-point line, he was shooting 27%, 35%, and then 37%. So that isn't crazy bad. But when he isn't putting up those crazy amount of points like he usually does, the Warriors are still winning these games with, the, with their role players and whatnot. So Warriors are somebody that in the West I could just see maybe sticking up there in that, those top three spots too. I don't know. They're a young team. I would love to see it. They deserve to be back there. And when they get Clay Thompson back They'll definitely be up there. as Steph Curry can continue to perform what he's doing right now. And I think
2: the thing, my favorite thing about Curry is the fact of how great of a dude he is off the court. Yeah, he's a great leader. Great leader. He's a great guy. Great, you know, family man. And like, I just, like I said earlier, it's just incredible to watch. And you, you root for these kind of players. Like yeah. it's it's hard to be like I hate Steph Curry. Yeah. Because if you say you hate Steph Curry, it's there's a reason why you hate him and it's probably cuz well he beat my team. Yeah. Like he's he makes this look too easy. Yeah. Like this like he play, he plays like he's in the video game. Like it's just unreal to see and yeah. I honestly I love it.
0: All right, that does it for episode 3 of Close the Playbook. Tune in next week for all the NFL, NBA, and other sports action. We'll catch you next week. Thank you.